You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. You are in the camera also? We are in the camera? Do I look nice with my hair? Beautiful. <laughs> Quite attractive, man. We are having a lot of fun here, my friend, Mayapur. Okay, welcome everybody. Today we have a very, very special guest uh, who is my paisano from Italy, <laughs> Raghunath Das. Today is a beautiful day in Mayapur. There is a beautiful sunshine, nice weather. It's becoming warmer. Perfect weather. And I think, I think, you know, I feel like ma- it's, there's some magic in, in Mayapur, which I cannot express, I cannot comprehend, I cannot understand. But I know for sure that there is something magic in this place. Of it's course, a- we have the Ganges. Yeah. And of course, we have the biggest temple in the world that's been built. Of course, we have devotees from all over the world. Of course, we have the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And somehow we are here. Mm. You know, the Lord has positioned us here in Mayapur, in this beautiful land, Goradesh, mm. where uh, from here the whole world will be influenced and the holy name will be spread. So today I was telling you, we have a very, very special guest, Raghunath Das, who was born in New York in 1-11-1966. Yep. And uh, he was a famous musician. He had a band called Youth of Today. They didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't do anything. They didn't they do were anything. pretty straight, good guy. But then <laughs> became a little bad, maybe. They went, no, no, Shelter was also good. No, Shelter was next level. We were <laughs> chanting 16 rounds. <laughs> wow. Before I was before I was a devotee, yes. we were just in a band. It was a punk band. It was a okay. hardcore punk band. Oh, this so guy the with noise, the air and all these yeah, things? Yeah, you know, it was sort of like we were a scene within a scene. So the punk mm. and hardcore music scene was crazy and wild and intoxicated but we started playing that same type of music but we just did not drink we did not smoke we did not take drugs and we got into vegetarianism and that was our message that was the band's message so it was sort of a bubble within a bubble because in the 80s the only type of music out there was just corporate arena rock and roll right and so the punk scene was like an alternative of that Mm -hmm. and we were sort of an alternative to that alternative and we didn't realize it, but it it spread into a, a, a huge numbers all over the all over the world. Actually, we've toured all over the world. But I got sick of doing it because I felt I was like sort of on a spiritual journey from okay. the time I started the band. Okay. And the spiritual journey uh, led me to bhakti, bhakti yoga. Amazing. Still on a spiritual journey. And you then, are. So it, when we I was <laughs> twenty two, I, I I joined the temple. It's funny because now we say this term when did you join like yeah, right. you asked me when yeah, did i yeah, join yeah, yeah. What, what year did you join yeah but it's sort of that term has become sort of obsolete with all the people that we reach nowadays in what we do is like no one joins no it, people don't join they just become devotees there is no joining officially joining okay we can but, say when did you transform yourself when did you trans- <laughs> you gotta think of some <laughs> sec- where sexy you- <laughs> name to call it where are you where are you always interested in something <laughs> spiritual i remember from when i was a child i used to look at the star and say there must be something superior to what I understand. Because how is it possible when you yeah. ask somebody, what are the stars? Oh, they're just there, you know. 
And, you know, I always felt that too. Yeah. I, I grew up Catholic. Yeah, me too. And, and when I asked my grandfather, okay, what about death? Yeah, come on, take us some ice cream and go and play, man. <laughs> Don't think about this, that now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So my father, my father was religious. My yeah. father was religious. Um, we grew up chanting rosaries yeah. uh, during Lent, during yeah. before Easter. And uh, going to the church and Going some, to the church. Uh, and, and then... Uh, I even joined a Christian club. Even when wow. I was in the punk scene, I joined wow. a Christian club because I had to, I went to college, university for like a year, and in that club, I had I had the foresight to know that okay, I'm going to go to the university now. What do people do at the university? Everybody gets drunk. Everybody, you know, just screws around. No, no one's there for learning. A very yeah. few people, at least in America, very few people are there to educate. Yeah. Their parents send them there. Hoping. And so, yeah, hoping. But truthfully, all I wanted to do was music. And the basis of our music was clean living, karma, spiritual principles. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to join a Christian club because I think they're good people and that will keep, yeah. give me good company. Yeah. And so in, in thinking like that, um, I, read the, I started to read the Bible and we did good things. We'd go to the hospital when people were sick and dying and we'd sing Christmas carols to them. We'd feed... <laughs> We'd feed, truthfully, we would feed the hungry people, the homeless people, but because I was vegetarian, I wouldn't feed the meat, so I didn't do that. <laughs> but I liked the idea of just being a better person. Yeah. And then on the weekends, I would go to New York City, because um, that's where all my friends were and the band. We started playing in New York City a lot. And I would go to these spiritual bookstores and I would read books. My favorite thing to do when I was 18, 19 was like read spiritual books, wow. metaphysical books, books yeah, on yeah, yoga, yeah, books yeah, on, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead, Bhagavad Gita, the, you know, esoteric writings of Christ consciousness. And then one of the books I found was this really cool Buddhist book called the Dhammapada. Hmm. And it had this this whole chapter on compassion, a chapter on, um, you know, mindfulness, a, a, a chapter on, you know, uh, you know, the way to treat other people. And I thought, this is such a good book. It's everything I'm reading in the Bible. Wait till I tell my Christian friends about this. They're going to love it. <laughs> and so I brought that book to my next Christian meeting and everybody freaked out on me. I was like, and it made me realize that there's two types of people way to understand yeah. the Bible. One is a very ecumenical, broad way to understand spiritual life. And one way where this is exclusive, everybody else is going to hell. And I said, you know what? We are reading two different books. I don't read the Bible like this. I can find commonalities in other faith and other absolutely, teachings absolutely. because ultimately truth is truth. And th there's no one savior, no one, anybody who saves me from material life is a savior, Good. right? <laughs> yeah. If you're in a, if you're an alcoholic and you get into the 12 step program, the 12 steps is your savior. Absolutely. So it, it's one of these things. God is unlimited. Of course, God can send um, unlimited messengers. So I just didn't buy it. And it made me really sort of repulse of that form of Christianity, although I still read the Bible, but that sort of perpetuated me on my spiritual journey. And, uh, that was sort of like, I think sort of like the threshold for my spiritual, nice. you know, yeah. path. But one interesting question is that because you were saying you were on the age of the punk rocks, uh, season or the people like that, how these people will receive the message from your song being vegetarian, not drug, not this, not that. Because I mean, when I, I, I'm, 
I'm, let's say, 10 years older than you. So I saw the Pink Floyd and all these other people. We were in the rock at that time. Sure. So by the time the punk rock came, we were out of the scene and we came in India and we become sure. Body, but, um, so, they didn't like it. One they, bit. Didn't like they didn't like it because whenever you say, whenever you're suggesting somebody control your senses, control your mind, control your habits, control your tongue, your belly, your genitals. You know, whenever you tell you a person like that, you're, that, yeah, you're suppressing me, you're stopping me. Who do you think you are? You're this bad. is the punk me. scene. We can do whatever we want. And so my answer was, well, if you can do whatever I want, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> you know, it's punk. So uh, we can do, we can say this too. And the interesting thing is when you really stand firm in your convictions of who you are and that what you're doing is a good thing, you're always going to get people who come like after you. Yeah, of course. And you'll always get people who really look up to you. And so I didn't expect that. I just felt like this was my thing and this is what we're going to talk about. And But what happened was it developed into a very, very popular scene. And there, uh, there was a lot of people, a lot of teenagers that had that same sentiment. You know what? I like this music, but I'm not going to opt in to be a drug addict, an alcoholic, yeah, sleep on the streets. Yeah. You know, get into, you know, just drunken because, fights. Just because. Just, you know, I'm, I don't have to opt into that. So I think it gave permission for people to sort of be vulnerable and be, uh, have a positive attitude on life. And there was a few other bands that we sort of like connected with nice. in the same way. And it became sort of a movement. Nice. Yeah, nice. it was, it was a good thing. Uh, but ultimately after a few years of doing it, it didn't really satisfy my heart. And that drove me more and more into my spiritual life. Wonderful. And tell me, how was your first meeting the devotee? Or you find some book or you got prashana? What was the first, you know, you come to a road where it's divided into two and sure, say, sure. okay, this is what happened. Some, you know, somebody sent this to me sure. and, I, and I had to understand this deeply and I had to do something about this. Right? Well, that's, that's a good question. And um, I will say all of this is told in my... Uh, I wrote an yeah, autobiography. Wrote book. Yes. It's coming out on April 1st. It's yes. available on Amazon. It's available for as an audio book. Um, uh, it's be, being released by Mandala, the same people that put out Ranana Swami's book. Um, but I'll tell you the story in brief. Yes. There was um, a gang, street gang of teenagers in New York City at the time, who were basically homeless kids. And they homeless. were homeless and violent and heavy into smoking pot and things like that. I didn't drink and I didn't smoke. I was from a good family. But these guys would get fed on the streets by, by the Hare Krishnas. And they would eat. And somehow <clears throat> they all got into Krishna. They didn't 100% change their habits. But something. But yeah. they were into it and they professed the Bhagavad Gita. Now, I never. Now, you got to understand, this is 80. 86, 87, there was not an information age. There were no cell phones. There was not internet. I didn't know what a Hare Krishna was. I didn't know what a Hindu monk, I didn't know what a Hindu was practically. <laughs> I grew up in a school. There were practically no Indians in America back then. And so it was very foreign to see Hare Krishna, white people wearing Indian robes. It just looked, it just looked peculiar. And um, to see this tough street gang into this, was I was nice. like, it was really shocking. And one of them, the leader of the gang, befriended me. What's his name? His name was Harley Flanagan. He's still alive, Harley Flanagan. And he was an incredible musician. And he was, he was sort of famous. He's a year younger than me, but he was, he was actually quite famous. He was in a band called the Cro-Mags. Oh, the Cro-Mags. Yeah, and um, 
and uh, they were uh, they were quite influential. He was incredibly charismatic, and he used to preach to me about the Bhagavad Gita. And part of me was thinking, well, you speak like Gandhi, but you're as violent as like <laughs> Al Capone. I don't understand how these two marry, marry together. together. <laughs> but I, at that time in my life, I was open to anything. I'll be open to anything except what this guy's into because I felt like these, these guys are crazy. These guys are crazy. There must be anything. So I got into Buddhism. I got into every other spiritual yoga group except Krishna consciousness and bhakti because they were the only people I know. <laughs> Even though the things he said made sense. But then you start to meet people who are actually strict on how they follow. And I think that's sort of impressive when you see people who've actually radically changed their life and experience some higher pleasure from practicing the principles of bhakti. And bhakti immediately releases you from material distress. Absolutely. It just happens. And it, it gives you a type of internal joy. It just happens. And you start to transform your life, and that just happens. And so then, everything they told me previously, <coughs> that make, made more and more sense. It, it had a little bit more weight to it. So that took a few years in the process. And in that process, my father had died. And when my father died, that was a very jarring, um, sort of earth-shattering time for me when I realized, I came to this point to realize, oh, there's nothing safe here. There is no safety. There is no longevity. What's the point of being healthy and fit and positive? All my theories were like, right out the, we're all going to die. We are all going to die. And I became like an ecstasy existentialist for about three days. Like, <laughs> I but I, I had faith that there were spiritual people that knew more than me. And that really accelerated my spiritual journey. And so, um, at that point, it, it was 1988. I just, when my father left his body, I decided, okay, I'm leaving this whole music scene behind and I'm going to go to Vrindavan because I had studied the Bhagavad Gita at this point and I had faith in the Bhagavad Gita. I had faith in the teachings of India. Wasn't fully committed to Krishna Bhakti, but I said, you know, these guys are pretty cool. I'm going to go check out their temple in India. And I lived there for a while. Came Krishna to Balaram Temple? Krishna Balaram Temple. 88 already was finished. 88, beautiful. Yeah, and, 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 Not uh, too many devotees at the time. Maybe. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then I went to... Uh, was very mellow. Just go behind the temple, and there's a beautiful tamal tree. Yeah, and, uh, it was beautiful. And the there sand was, of the Jalangi. Even the MVT so wasn't there. Yeah, nothing, nothing was, was there. there. Beautiful. Nothing. It was a special time to be. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was impelled to go, and just traveling in India. You know, you know, traveling in India without a credit card. Didn't have credit cards. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. The whole thing was like a, quite a journey. And my band was really popular at the time. And they thought I was crazy. Why would you quit the band when we finally got popular? Huh. But for me at that point, I was only 22 years old, but I was like, I am over this completely. There's nothing else I want here. And okay. So, now, yeah. the other next things is this. Uh, of course, I want to tell everybody that you are now doing Wisdom of the Sages, which is a very successful podcast for the last three years. I've been listening from day one. All I'm right. one of the outsider. What do you call them? Others. The others. others. I am one of the others. <laughs> the others <Yeah>. means <laughs> we don't see you because we yeah. do it live on Zoom with about 100 people I know, every day. I know. But then we put it out on Spotify, yeah, Apple Podcasts, the and these other platforms. Yeah. And then there's 
you know, there's about 15,000 people a day yeah, that listen to the Bhagavatam. So the people that listen live, we call them Zoomers. I know. And you, <laughs> my friends, are an other. I'm the other. An Italian paisan other. <laughs> and I really enjoy it, I should tell you. you. And every, every day, it's, it's inspiring. Because according to me, you are decoding the Bhagavatam. Means if you read the Bhagavatam by yourself, some stuff you can understand, some stuff you can think, okay, this is mythology. Right, you know, sure. Indra cut the wing of the mountain. Sure. That's weird stuff. Sure. There. But you're decoding that. You're making people understand. People who don't know anything about spirituality, people who don't know anything about Hare Krishna, they don't need to know. People who don't know anything about anything. <laughs> and so, because, like you said, the truth is the truth. Yeah. Uh, it cannot be changed. Sure. So, and and you, the way you are presenting with Kastuba, who is a fantastic... He's uh, a great pundit. Huh? A great pundit and very sober person. And you're a bubbly person, so you go yin-yang. Everything is very kind and gracious. Thank you. <laughs> I love the show. <laughs> and then you meet Joe Rogan. Yeah. I, I saw that one. It was really nice. You were a little tense. Of course, Joe Rogan is a big your friend, little, but, was, yeah. but he's a big guy. He's the guy who started yeah, the podcast. Little, it was a little... I, I never get nervous in front of anybody but with Joe Rogan who I've known for 20 years yeah, uh, I was nervous because you know if you teach to a bunch of yoga students I know how to speak when you teach to a bunch of you know uh, new devotees I know how to speak when you teach to a bunch of non-devotees I know how to speak you teach to Joe Rogan's audience it's so wide there's so much it's so, so wide people. it's like who do I address who am I speaking how to how can you tell everybody so this? anyway but something went yeah, it was a little I was a little I was a little nervous yeah, then, but that's not I guess it's, it's understandable but tell me how you start the wisdom of the sages whose idea it was how you figure out this well you know Mara from wisdom of the sages yes. she um, was one of my yoga students okay I was a I taught yoga internationally also okay before Wisdom of the Sages um, and after the band. Um, you do so, 300, 500. Yeah, I did all this, all this stuff. I still do it. I still do. It's a um, good introduction to people. It is good. Now mainly I speak and teach. Of course. But um, that's mainly what I did for the last 10 years. Um, so Mara. Yeah, so, so Mara and another, I, I was also training a brahmachari. Okay. And we live on a farm project, uh, you know, with my family. Yeah. It's a small yoga retreat center. We have bhakti retreats. What you call it? It's called Super Soul Farm. Super Soul Farm. Yeah. Located in? In upstate New York, upstate. near the Berkshires, near the Massachusetts border. It's nice. It's pretty. Simple, small family programs. You know, nothing major, but but it's we have good retreats there. Um, so anyway, Mara and this brahmachari, I would teach at 5 a.m. just sacred literature. Then one year we decided, you know what, we're going to start doing it on zoom. This was 2019. So every day, and we're going to go through the whole Bhagavatam. And so we started going through the Bhagavatam and because I traveled so much and I had yoga students in different cities all around America and Europe, I said, I put it out to my mailing list. I'm going to teach every morning at 5am. So if you want to get on, I'll have Mara. She was like my assistant, send out a link for everybody. And so I would do this every day. And I did this for about five months and um, it started to grow. So we had a hundred people on every day nice. and yeah, it was good. And uh, some of our old music fans would listen, you know, it would be, it would be nice how we do it. And when, if I travel, I would bring my computer with me and we'd do it with me. And then Kostuba 
was also studying the Bhagavatam at the same time I was. So he would sometimes come on mine and I'd say, oh, my friend Kastuba's here. And I'd introduce Kastuba to everybody. Kastuba, what do you think about this verse? And, you know, since you know me, you know, I'm a little loud. I'm a little brash. <laughs> I'm a little out of control. I scream a lot. And Kastuba is very quiet, soft-spoken, very meticulous in the way he speaks. Very, his thoughts are under control. His, his actions are under control. So he's the opposite of me. And so people, as a, he would come on and I'd just have him unmute and then we'd both talk. And so he just kept on coming on like that. And everybody would say, oh my God, I love the way you and Kasuba go back and forth with each other. You guys should do this together, make it a podcast. Because if I miss a day, we can't go back and listen to the old days. So we said, okay, let's go out through the end of the year as we're doing it. And January 1st, 2020, we'll start Wisdom of the Sages. And so we started that on January 1st, 2020. And we were all in India with a big training of about 50 people also. And we went through. And then me and Kostuba took about 15 people, small pilgrimage um, to Jaipur and Vrindavan. And in Jaipur, I got a text message from Joe Rogan that said, hey, you know, I used to, ju- I used to do jujitsu with him. So I said, hey, he said, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I would love to get you on my podcast. And truthfully, I barely ever listened to any podcast. And when I knew Joe, he was a little famous with some television, but not as popular as he is now. Now he's like number one. <laughs> he could be like the president of the United yes. States, practically. Yeah. Um, so, so I was like, wasn't quite sure what his angle was. I was like, do you want to debate me? Because when I used to fight with him, I was a vegetarian. I was like a raw foodist vegetarian. And I, I thought, well, maybe he wants to debate me. And I didn't smoke pot and he smoked a lot of pot. So I thought maybe he wants to debate me. I was like, listen, I don't really want to debate about anything. That's not my thing. He goes, no, no, no. I, he goes, I'm serious. Like yoga is so popular. And I know you have a very interesting yoga journey. And I think it'd be really interesting to hear your story. Nice. I said, well, all right, well, I'm in India right now. He goes, well, when do you get back? I go, I'll get back in two weeks. Well, how about in three weeks? I fly you out here. I said, good. All right. I got to check with my family, but that sounds good. And that's how it happened. It happened very quick like that. But it was Lord Chaitanya's miracle because if this would have happened five weeks earlier, there was no podcast five weeks earlier. Right. We were only in the podcast maybe or eight weeks earlier. We were, we just started the podcast. Meaning if I got on his, I had nowhere to usher the people to. And so what happened was we saw such a spike in our listenership after we got on Joe Rogan. So many people got turned on to the Bhagavatam. I have people that listen to us now on the podcast that said, I've listened to you since Joe Rogan and have never missed an episode. A lot of their listeners have never met a devotee. They've never been to a temple. I had one girl come with me to Jagannath Puri. I took a group to Puri last year. And she said, I live in a small village, small town in America. I never met a devotee. I've never been to the temple. She was 22 years old. And the first deity she saw was Tota Gopinath. And she broke down in tears. It was like the most beautiful thing to witness. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's got, it's got, it really allowed, and, and this is the beauty of technology. Everybody wants to slam technology and make fun of technology and criticize technology. Well, we but can use everything. You can, this is the Brihat, Brihat, Brihat Murdanga. You get a clip on Instagram that goes viral. It is in everybody's, po- 
Forget about going to the airport where so many people congregate. You're going into everybody's phone and getting 18,000, 40,000, 60,000, 100,000 views in a moment, giving the Bhagavad Gita and funneling people towards deeper truths. It's We are living in a time where, you know, I think when I first joined, I thought, well, Lord Chaitanya is going to take over the world. Mm-hmm. How can that happen? The devotees just keep growing. I can see it now. It can happen with six influencers becoming very Krishna conscious, getting very inspired and influencing. And you can really see how as this world divides and it's getting more and more pathetic and, and device people are more divisive. People are choosing sides as it choose, as people choose sides, they're going to have to choose between love and hate, dark and light truth and ignorance. They're going to have to make a choice. Absolutely. Everything's getting polarized. You're getting people who hate on one side and they're looking to hate. They're not finding the commonality. They're finding differences. And there's brothers against brothers, families against families. It, it's it, 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 When it's all looks like it's all about to collapse, I have great hope that it's preparing Lord Chaitanya to walk right through that threshold. I'm more inspired to talk about bhakti than I ever have been in my life. Absolutely. I think it's Krishna's plan. I think it's Krishna's plan too. And, uh, and it's accelerating. You know, at one point, I think people, they can choose to be like honeybee or be like a fly. Yeah. Because I only listen to the news, is garbage. You can't even listen I to read it. The new, read the newspaper, You don't even know garbage. what you're reading. You don't want to. You, you don't know, want. You've you, become you saturated f- with this garbage. And you say, feel That's angry. Enough. You feel yeah. like there's somebody to hate. There's nobody to hate. You feel being used and, and yeah. mistreated by all this news and stuff. So at one point, people... It makes you think everybody's evil. Yeah. And, and because good people don't sell. Bad people sell. Problematic people sell. Hate sells. Yeah, that's and so thing. whether it's Fox News in America or <laughs> CNN in America, they're selling hate. They're selling an enemy. They're selling a boogeyman. Someone you can blame the world on. And it, it, it's just not based in reality. People have good inside them. Absolutely. You know, even you see in politics, you have a left wing and right wing. And really people just want to do good. I genuinely believe people, for the most part, they want to do good, but they get some people behind them trying to rally them yeah. to hate somebody. And so I, you can't even opt into it. You can't let your mind go there. Keep the, as we say on the podcast, the main thing is, is to the keep main the main team. thing the main thing. And that's hearing a chanting about Krishna. Yeah. But that's why we start the Radio Mayapur. So all over the world, people now, we have. Uh, a lot of people listening to us from morning to night. We have a podcast. We have uh, so that 24-hour bhajan and kirtan so and nice. lectures. So that, hey, you don't want to hear garbage, put Radio Mayapur and that's it. You Where listen do I to listen me. to Radio Mayapur? From your phone. On podcasts? On podcasts? No, you can go to all the different platforms. YouTube, podcast, uh, Stitcher. And uh, Google. Right. Just write Radio Mayapur. It comes Radio as Mayapur. an app. It comes as this uh, it's wonderful. App. It's an app you don't even need to download. It's, uh, it comes like this, Radio Mayapur. All right. I'm going to go. And then, then people can hear it, you know, wherever they are. The, we have a lot of people driving car in the West and they're listening so good. to people, this. And, and, to and I tell you, it really saves people's lives. Yeah. It saves people's the, lives. The transcendental vibration of the only name is so powerful. The Lord is in his name. Mm. And when somebody hears it, even by mistake, even by some other things, you know, they, they get purified, they become 
consciousness. There is something else. I'm, I'm, I believe, so I what believe. is your future of this podcast? When, uh, okay, so you are having uh, more, uh, you are on the third canto, which canto you are? What's, what's that? You are on the third canto of the Shrimad Bhagavatam? Uh, uh, third canto? No, we're on the uh, seventh canto. Seventh canto. Okay. Seventh canto. So, Where do we go from here? Out of the, yeah. the eighth canto. Now finish the Bhagavatam. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not thinking, Charitamrita. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> thinking that far ahead, but perhaps. <laughs> I think Krishna has a plan for it to unfold. We have some ideas. Okay. What we're really trying to work together is like an educational platform. Absolutely. When I was younger, we would go to Vrindavan and study for a month at the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education. We take the whole month off and then we go on pilgrimage. Um, so I think to learn um, to, or to teach rather uh, Vaishnav culture, I think is important because nowadays it's, it's a new paradigm. There aren't people quitting their jobs, quitting their life, quitting their family and moving into a temple. No, 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 no. I find that to be an old paradigm yeah. and I don't see it's going to, I don't think it's the future of the way things are going. Absolutely. It's going to be a very isolated situation. You get a, yeah. a person becomes a monk when they're an old man. For the most part, um, in India we have we have a lot of brahmachari and yeah, young people because India still in a cultural platform is different from the West. Sure, so, sure. So I think with where we're going is we I think if you can't have that opportunity because as dysfunctional as some temples were, there was also a lot of benefit we got too. People criticized the temples, but the temples were we got a lot living in the temple. Of course, uh, Kostuba lived in the temple for about ten years, I think, yeah. or twelve years. I lived in the temple for about six and a half years, and I really enjoyed it. I really got the most. I felt like I got a lot out of it, and so we want to be able to give people Vaishnav education and An have- experience of an ashram. Well, With not regulated. Some well, kind no, of, no, no, no. Well, we're talking about just online studying. Oh, okay. Online studying. Although we're thinking about, it would be great to have an ashram somewhere as I well. I think Mayapur would be the great place. Let's do it. Right? Mayapur is the Mayapur is the Mayapur best. Is we can help you. I'm sure that we can find a piece of land, put some bamboo house, let the people come. We have so many. We have so many people, and the thing is, they're all professionals. Oftentimes, they're professionals. In the old days, how old were you when you? joined 22 22 i was 22 also people join when they're 19 22 24 nowadays 50 60 yeah, 45 50 45 35 they're professional people they're professional people when you and i joined people talked about how the material world's a miserable place but in our minds if we were young we were thinking well it's not so miserable it's not so bad but now we have people that are getting into bhakti when they're 45 when they're 55 and they're thinking yep i've been through a marriage uh, I had a miserable job. I'm in debt from the university. I owe them $250,000. I'm never going to get out of this debt. I've had, I've been betrayed. You know, my hu- husband left me. And so I think people have had, when you talk about the pain of material existence, if you're 45, you've you seen went it. You went through something. Yeah. When you're 22, you could have yeah. skated by like, hey, the world's great. It's so great. It's yeah. Flowery, so, beautiful. so when people hear the Bhagavatam, it, it rings true at, at, at the different seasons of our life. So we want to teach people how to incorporate higher consciousness into their life. Means being in the material world, but you are in the bubble of your higher consciousness where you can maintain a mood of goodness and you can maintain certain principle mm-hmm. or etiquette or uh, you can say uh, some something which makes you feel good and mm. makes you feel like you're part of something higher. Sure. It's not just making some money and paying some bills. Yeah, it's yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's sometimes, I think education's part of the process. Once you appreciate the Vaishnavas, 
then he was like, okay, I want a systematic way of be, how to be educated in this so that I can actually teach it to somebody else also. And so that's what we want to do. We want to break it down and do it into, and this is what sort of we're working on in our next phase as well. It's beautiful. Yeah. It reminds me about the Mahabharata, you know, in the Mahabharata, there are so many episodes where you say, where you think, you think that, how oh, is it possible? This guy, they're fighting and killing each other in a day, but in the night, they're friends. <laughs> and then it's completely different, you know, different, different mood. But because the culture was there, you know, out to respect mm. the grandsire, Bhishma Dev, you know, and uh, like they see Arjuna is coming with all the army, he walks with all these things and he goes there you know, and then be my thinking, okay, this guy's coming to surrender and he comes with a weapon, mm. you know, but Sukrachari, I think, oh, my, it's my pupils coming and be <laughs> my thinking, oh, he's coming and he paid obeisance to them. He said, please give me your blessing that I can defeat you. Mm. And he said, if you wouldn't have done that, we would have killed you all. But because you done Tatastu, you would be successful. You would kill us. <laughs> so, so many episodes like this, which yeah. is culture. It's the yeah. culture of India. It's the culture of the Mahabharata. It's the culture of respect. It's, it's a beautiful the culture. culture. And yeah. I think people are cultureless and they feel it. And they, and they feel like, well, why bother with culture? I mean, just break down all culture. There is no culture. It makes no difference. And it, we're coming to a world that's really like, they've lost faith in life. And I think, again... Lord Chaitanya, we've created a threshold for, you know, a stage for Lord Chaitanya to step on. And there, even when I was a punk rocker, I was thinking, what's the point of etiquette? What's the point of morality? What's the point? Why do all these things? Why is this right and this wrong? You know, my mother would say, don't put your elbows on the table when you eat. Why? Who said? You know, it made no sense. Because I wanted substantial answers. But when you study the etiquette and the culture of these ancient cultures, you realize, oh, I get it. It's all to bring our make our mind peaceful. It's all to bring our consciousness higher. It's also we can be connected, grounded. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the first thing that really rang true with me. Wonderful. Mm. So, how are you feeling, Mayapur? Now you have been spending the last 10 days in Mayapur and how, how this has enriched, enriched mm. your consciousness or your well, we, this trip. We brought t about 24 people to Mayapur. It was a great trip. And now everybody's gone except me and Kostuba and Mara. Um, it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, but it's not like going to Bali or Tulum, Mexico or, no, you know, Sardinia. It, you know what I mean? Sometimes people think, well, I saw this on TripAdvisor and it looks like a cool place. Yeah. The no. Dom is different. It's this different. is Krishna's home. <laughs> and therefore there's a weightiness to it. Sure. And, you know, like when I go to Vrindavan, when I go to Mayapur, I feel a weight about it, a sobriety that comes with it. And I never try not to be too much in the enjoying spirit because I know that can crush you in holy places. And, but at the same time, I feel like in that weightiness, there's a very, very powerful purifying agent that goes on, even though it's tropical and I can get these baby bananas and, you know, there's, it's got the Ganga. And in, in one sense you think, well, this is Bali or it's this fun. is, this it's is fun. Mexico or this is, it's not, this is a spiritual Dom. And if you have your spiritual goggles on then you're going to be affected in a very, very deep way. Or else you can be here but not enter it. And so my whole time, because we've been doing tons of hearing and chanting while we're here, 
I, I feel the weight of it. I feel it, it, it like it, it's speaking to me and pushing me in certain ways. It's not a vacation. I'm going to need a vacation from this. You know what I mean? Do you ever go to India like that? And you feel like I need a vacation from India, <laughs> but it's well, not just India. It's these holy places. You know, I traveled six months around the world with His Holiness Banaswamy. I'm accompanying oh, wow. him. And we got Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Indonesia, everywhere, Europe. But uh, I feel like uh, wherever I go is a beautiful place. People go vacation, nice. But I feel, uh, because I live here for 45 years, I feel like I always pray to Lord Chaitanya, please bring me back here. Uh. Because we are going in a mission of preaching or inspiring, mm. uh, you know, to the people, we go to yoga studio, to temples everywhere. And wow! So you've been living here for forty-five years. Yeah, from, oh, I came. I did the same trip, which uh, His Holiness Radhanath Maharaj did. Oh, really? I came by road from Italy all the way to India in nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, hitchhiked. hitchhiked. You're kidding? Me and my friend Fabio, who is now a great musician and music director, he was wow. here with us six months ago. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> so, but you when, did that in '77. Yeah, unbelievable. So, um, where did you head to Rishikesh? We were heading to uh, Himachal Pradesh. We had one Italian friend who used to live there near Dharamsala, which is the Meklogange, is the place where the Tibetan, uh, what do you call yeah, the, the Dalai Lama lives. Yeah. So we went there and we spent some time with our friend who lived in a bamboo hat. It, I mean, it's so you crazy know. traveling in India back then. It was. You can't even send a letter. Amazing. You couldn't even send a letter. No. Sending airmail. No, nothing. Telegram. <laughs> you should get a special reward for doing that. <laughs> I remember in Mayapur. Of course. Yeah. I get all the diseases. Everybody. You can name of it. Oh but uh, to make a phone call to Italy at the time when I was here in... in Impossible. Uh, no, from here, you had to, there was only one telephone with the temple president. Yeah. And you had to book the call. Swarup Ganj 3-1. And then from there, they book it to Calcutta, Calcutta to Delhi, yeah, Delhi like to here, Rome. And then you wait there three hours and then suddenly you talk, hey, ma, how are you doing? Click, it's gone. That's it. <laughs> I remember that in Vrindavan too. There was one telephone. What do they call those? The STD phone? STD phone. And yeah. But, you know, after being living in India for such a long time, everything is a piece of cake, I'm telling you. Well, technology and made it easier. Technology made sure. it easier, and also the consciousness is, like, imbibed with uh, Christian bhakti in your heart. And wherever we go, we are trying to be realistic, and uh, we present whatever the audience are able to digest. Sure. You know, you become like a doctor, how much medicine people need. Exactly. And that's it's, what you're doing also. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, give us a, give us blessings, please. Oh, you're welcome. We want to. I want to help you to do this. Uh, whatever you have an idea of creating a place where you people can come and spend a couple of months. Yeah, because this is a, a changing life situation when people come here. You saw people crying. I see people crying all the time here in Mayapur. There's some even Indian people that come in front of Prabhupada and they just mm. they cry. Right. You know, right. And this. Because it's something to do with your heart. I agree. But it's something to do with your heart. So tell us more uh, what you will do now when you go back to America. And <clears throat> Now I'm getting ready for the launch of my book. Okay. So um, the bands I was in are doing some special reunions. Okay. And we'll do like a book. Re you go to 
uh, bookstores and do autograph oh, signings nice. and pr promotion for the Where book. Where people can buy your book, you can tell you, the audience. Uh, yeah. Easiest is Amazon. 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 Yeah, what is the name of the book? It's called From Punk, Punk to Monk. From Punk, Punk to, to Monk. Monk by Ray, okay. Ray Capo or Ray Ragunath Capo. Okay. Um, That's nice. I suggest people should buy this book and I really I recommend recommend myself. I recommend well, I, my, my goal is that you people find their spiritual journey within my journey. And I think that's uh, that I was always attracted to people's story about how they got into their spiritual path and how it transformed them. And usually it's some type of hero's journey where you're struggling, you're in pain and you're climbing the mountain and you're looking for truth and you find someone that reveals something and you take it to your life and it transforms you. And that's the ongoing story through history. So I enjoy reading books like that. And for me, it was a very, it was very cathartic and, 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 um, a chance for me to really, it was actually a very spiritual experience writing the book because the more I would reflect on different phases of my life, the more I saw that God was in my life at every, so at every miracles, moment, right? So, so many, many miracles. And sometimes I just wasn't ready for the miracle and I just turned away from the miracle. But it was there, right in front of me. Amazing. Maybe we should make a film out of it. <laughs> we have a film crew here, so whenever you Let's want. Let's do it! <laughs> <laughs> you already have the script, which is the book. You so. got it all. I'm, I'm sitting in the middle of the jungles of Mayaport in, in this high-tech studio right now. I was wondering where you were leading me. I thought we were going to get some pizza. And I walk into this uh, television studio. <laughs> Wonderful talking to you, Ragnar. Okay, give us a message for the radio who are listening to us today. Gil, what is your message to them? Here's the message. There's only one bird that attacks eagles. They say that's the crow. And the crow jumps on the back, perches on the back, and he starts pecking at the neck of the eagle. The eagle never pays it any mind. The eagle just spreads his wings and starts to soar very, very high. So high that the crow can't take it anymore. Yes, and the, and the, the crow just falls away. And the eagle's just f flying. There, no matter when, whenever you take something very seriously in your life, your spiritual journey, your contribution, which is what we're all looking for. You know, Mark Twain said, two most important days of your life are the day you were born, and the second day is when you realize why you were born. And so... Uh, The, the eagle never stops to worry about that crow. There's always going to be people trying to cut you down, take you down, peck at you. We don't care. We're, and whether people praise you or peck at you, just be like that eagle and just keep soaring and try your best. And people will always have an opinion and that's none of your business. People's opinions of me are none of my business. Absolutely. Is you know? that a problem? Is there a problem? <laughs> we have a mission in life. We want to have a, we're on a mission from God. We want to serve God and guru. You know, in the parampara. Wonderful talking to you, Raghunath. Thank you, my friend. You keep up the good work. Keep okay. us spinning those pizza okay. and making beautiful uh, radio radio station. Keep on coming to us. I will, we'll, I will come. We'll feed you as much as we can. Okay, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep eating. <laughs> Don't make me too happy. I won't be able to... <laughs> I'm getting too old for this too much pizza. Thank you, Raghunath. Nice. You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. <laughs> 